0: Tonight we're considering the first paragraph of the chapter 20 in the confession of faith of Christian liberty and liberty of conscience and we are dividing it into three parts the first paragraph we deal with the author of this liberty that is it's the liberty which Christ hath purchased for believers and then we're considering secondly the nature and character of this Christian liberty wherein Christian liberty consists and the paragraph says that it consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin the condemning wrath of God the curse of the moral law and in their being delivered from this present evil world bondage to Satan and dominion of sin from the evil of afflictions the sting of death the victory of the grave and everlasting damnation, as also in their free access to God and their yielding obedience unto him, not out of slavish fear, but a childlike love and willing mind. And then the third part of the paragraph, the last part of it, deals with the distinctives ...of this Christian liberty under the gospel. How Christian liberty differs from that which was in Old Testament times. There is some difference between what believers now enjoy... ...and what they enjoyed in the Old Testament times before Christ came. And so the paragraph continues... ...all which were common also to believers under the law... But under the New Testament, the liberty of Christians is further enlarged in their freedom from the yoke of the ceremonial law to which the Jewish church was subjected, and in greater boldness of access to the throne of grace, and in fuller communications of the free spirit of God than believers under the law did ordinarily partake. So dealing with the first part then, first of all, tonight, the author of Christian Liberty. That Christian Liberty has been obtained for believers by their Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The first line of the paragraph states, The liberty which Christ hath purchased for believers under the gospel. So we're here being told the author, Now, whenever we speak of the author here as Christ, the divines are focusing upon the purchasing aspect of Christian liberty. That is the aspect of it which is brought to us by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his obtaining the Christian liberty. The key word in the first line is purchased. Christ hath purchased. So this is a purchased liberty. Now behind the purchase, of course, there is a plan. There is the eternal decree. In a sense, God, God the Father, is the author of Christian liberty. We could say God planned it. So whenever it says Christ here it obtains it and is one who purchased it, it's not really not the Father. We all know that the Father planned it that it came from God, and we attribute the plan, the divine plan, to the first divine person. It was God who gave his Son, it was God who sent his Son, it was God who poured out the Spirit through his Son, and so God, the Father, is the author of it as well. But we can also attribute it to the third person, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, He's the one who brings it to us. He's the one who causes us to be able to enter into the experience of it. He's the one who gives us the the cry of a Father to be able to come to the Father's presence. So the Spirit of God is involved in it as well. So whenever it concentrates on Christ here, it's not really about the Father. And it's not ruling out the Holy Spirit. But it's emphasising the one who obtains it. That is who gives to us the just right to enjoy it. And it's Christ the Son of God who has done that. And it's that aspect of the origin of Christian liberty that the divines focus on. They don't mention the Father, they don't mention the Spirit, though they know that they also are co-authors with the Son of God. But they focus on the New Testament emphasis in the Gospel. And the New Testament emphasis in the Gospel is always upon the person of Christ, always upon the cross of Christ, the centrality of the cross, the incarnation and the death of our Lord Christ died for our sins Christ and the cross are central in the New Testament and that lies at the heart of Christian liberty and the divines are focusing on, on that aspect of it but we must never forget that all three persons are active in Christian liberty none act independently none act alone All three persons always concur in every divine work. But each person is more prominent to our viewing in certain areas of the work of God. And in Christian liberty, the one who comes to the fore is Christ our Saviour who died for us. It wasn't the Father who was incarnate and died for us. It wasn't the Spirit who was incarnate and died for us. But it was the Son of God who was incarnate and died for us. And that's why the divines focus on him. In this first line there are really two things that are in view that I point out tonight. The purchase of the liberty. Who obtained it. How it come about. Through Christ. And then the participants of the liberty. It says there. The believers. That Christ. Hath purchased. For believers. Christian liberty. Under the gospel. So that the purchase. And the participants. Who experiences it who enjoys it and the answer is believers so the purchaser is Christ this is taught again and again throughout the scriptures the liberty is in and through him alone he is always seen to be the one who obtains it and possesses it and gives it to his people he is like the shop or the treasury that stores it, that houses it up, that fills his treasury with it for his people. And thus Christ in the Bible is called the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Saviour, because he is the one who Obtained it. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty. Wherewith Christ. Hath made us free. Christ has done it you see. The second person. And that's all of recognize. Don't be entangled again. Paul is telling the Galatians. Your savior has obtained it for you. You shouldn't be in bondage. You shouldn't be entangled. You should enjoy your freedom and you should maintain it because Christ has obtained it for you. Christ is the one. Galatians 2 verse 4, he was warning them about certain false brethren who are sneaking in. He's speaking about the the Jewish professors We want to take away the liberty that Gentile believers are enjoying in Christ. They're coming in, they're spying out and he says that they are spying out, they're eyeing to attack, as it were, our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. So again this emphasis, we have it in Christ. He has purchased it for us. The Jews want to bring us into bondage and take away this liberty that we have in our Saviour. So the Lord Jesus Christ again coming to the fore as the one who has it for us. And you remember whenever the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in the synagogue at Nazareth quoting Isaiah he said the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord God hath appointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the broken hearted. And to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So here again it's Messiah. Messiah. He is the one who is commissioned to bring the great message because he is the one who leads the captives free. He is the one who opens the prison house. He is the one who has the keys, who destroys the prison guard, the prison captain, the devil himself, and he sets the prisoners free. And he tells them about that freedom that he has for them. And again, it's Christ, the one who is the anointed, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's the Messiah. And then in in gospel promises like Matthew 11, verse 28, you see this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So he's the one who frees sinners from the burden. He's the one who takes away the heavy load. Who removes the bondage of the captivity. And who gives us his yoke. Which is light. And which is from his meek and lowly heart. So he is the one who gives us liberty and he calls us to him come unto me i give you rest remember how john recording the many dialogues that the lord jesus had with the jews in his gospel records jesus as saying to the jews you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free you remember how the Jews answered and said, We are Abraham's seed, we were never in bondage to any man. How can you say then, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commit of sin is the servant of sin, the slave of sin. If the Son therefore shall make you free, You shall be free indeed. It's the Son makes you free, you see. They weren't receiving the Son, they were rejecting the Son. They didn't even know that they were in bondage, and the Lord was telling them about the bondage of slavery to sin, and about the Son who makes free himself. So this is emphasis again and again. This is the very heart of the gospel. As the first line says, under the gospel. As if to imply it's the very heart and core of the gospel. So the Lord Jesus therefore is the liberator. Who sets his people free. And keeps them free. He has the power to liberate. He was given this authority by the Father of course. And the Spirit anointed him Messiah. To do this work. But it is. The second person who is the liberator. As thou has given him power over all flesh. This is what the father has done. He's given to his son the power over all flesh. In order that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And so the father's put all things into his hand. So this coming from the Father the Spirit is co-author with it too but the emphasis is that the Son of God is the one who has it in his hands to deal with and to bring and to obtain. And of course this liberty is obtained through his truth by his word. It's been purchased for believers under the Gospel and it's the Gospel that tells the message of deliverance and liberation. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The main thing, however, about this liberty not just that it's declared in the truth and is presented in the truth, the truth of Christ in the gospel, but the main thing about this is that it cost Christ. The important word is purchased. Purchased. It is not a cheap liberty. It's not just about truth and about power. There was also a price to be paid. That's why the incarnation was so necessary in the death of Christ. If it was just about power, God could have stayed in heaven and liberated. If it was just about truth and message and words, he could have just sent prophets continually to deliver the word. But Christ had to purchase it and that meant that he had to have a body because the purchase price, as we know, was the precious blood of Christ. He had to give himself. Now, liberty is not cheap. Uh, the divines are wanting to focus on that. purchase. It had to be bought. Do you remember the interesting story whenever Paul made it known to the Roman that he was a a Roman citizen and he made it known to one of the soldiers and the chief captain heard and he came how did you obtain Roman citizenship he asked him and the chief captain said I obtained it with a large sum of money I bought this freedom and Paul said I was free born that illustrates that it has to be purchased. Roman citizenship could be purchased. And Christ is the one who purchases our liberty, our citizenship of heaven. It's free to us. We're free born in the new birth. But there was the one who purchased it. So it's free to Christians, but it was obtained by Christ Christ. And it was obtained at a great cost. If you're going to unchain slaves, they have to be bought to be set free. And the one who bought us was Christ. So Christ's work, as we know, was redemptive. It was buying by the payment of a price. And in that buying and purchase, there is the liberation of the sinners. The Bible teaches this again And again. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them. Who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So here's bondage. Bondage under Satan. Bondage under the power of death. the the terrible fears and the slavish dread that there is attached with that all the life of sinners and Christ is the one who destroyed the devil and who released those who were under the power of death and he did it by taking part of flesh and blood that through death he might do this work of destruction Of the one who is our captor. Who must be destroyed. Before we can go free the devil. Remember how he said to. John in the book of the revelation. I am he that liveth. And was dead. And behold I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell. And of death. You see he has the keys that opened the prison house of these things, of death, the bondage of death. And he has the keys because he said, I'm living now, I'm alive, but I was dead. And he's emphasising that aspect to let us know how he obtained these keys through death and by death, by dying. By entering into the domain of death, he, as it were, took them from Satan, And is the liberator. And so he has redeemed his people from the bondage of death. And of other things as we shall see. Now only believers enjoy this liberty. It is only for those who believe the gospel. That's what it says in that first line. The liberty which Christ had purchased for believers under the gospel. So it's only for those who are in union with Christ. It's only for those who have faith in the Lord Jesus. Your faith in Christ brings you into this liberty that he has for you. And this is why this ought to be a blessed subject. Because you're learning what you have through him and what belongs to you. And what is your your Christian heritage through his grace. It belongs only to believers and it belongs to all believers. Old Testament believers and New Testament believers. Now, there are some extras for the New Testament saints that we we'll come to. But nevertheless, all believers, through Christ alone, enjoyed this liberty. And now this Christian liberty in all its fullness under the gospel. And this is continually emphasized right this paragraph. That is for believers. Their freedom, the paragraph says. That's believers'. They're being delivered their free access their yielding obedience that refers to believers there in paragraph one common also to believers under the law it says the divines call it the liberty of christians not the liberty of non-christians Not the liberty of Hindus or those that adhere to other religions. But it is Christian liberty. Even the title tells us that. It's only for Christians. It only takes place under the gospel. In the days of grace, and there are gospel opportunities for sinners, and the preaching of the gospel, and in the preaching of the gospel, we tell sinners about this liberty, what they can have in Christ. What salvation is, what it is that they can enjoy in union to the Saviour. So it's proclaimed, it's preached, it's part of the great salvation that we have to tell sinners about. That if they neglect, they'll perish in their folly. So we must tell them that they must believe in order to enter into this liberty. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, you see, which believe not. They're still in bondage. They're still in darkness. They're still in the dungeon. They're still in the prison house. And he blinds them lest the light of the gospel shines in and liberates them. So he does his best, his utmost, to keep them from the message of liberation that is in Jesus Christ. So there must be faith in Christ and the sinners have to be told this. And Christians have to be told too that because they have believed in Christ this is what they enjoy and what they should be enjoying. Remember how Jesus said ye shall die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. And even repeats it ye shall die in your sins he says it twice as if to emphasize you'll never have the liberty you'll always be a captive to death and you'll die in that bondage if you're not a believer so it's obtained by Christ but he obtains it only for those who believe in him only for those who are called thereto and enter in by faith. Ye have been called unto liberty. Christians are reminded. Galatians 5 verse 13. And then of course he says only don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And so we have to understand what liberty means. It doesn't mean you can go on sinning and disobey God. Don't use it for that end. But you've been called on to liberty and it's God's grace that has called us to those who come. Paul even calls it in Romans 8 verse 21 the glorious liberty of the children of God. It's not the liberty of the whole world. It's not the liberty of every person who's born into this earth. It's only the liberty of the children of God. And we know how we become the children of God. You're all the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 26. And so it's our liberty. Christian liberty. Paul could say to the believers, Your liberty. It's only with saints, this redemption...